And a welcome back forth and long fans. It's your AFL and AFLW correspondent coach Donnie has here back with a round two review. And for those of you watch the YouTube video, you will notice a very familiar face hopping on Mr. Gil Griffith, my resident Frio Docker super fan here hopping on to be my guest host this week. Gil, it's great to see you again, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see you too. You talked about how cold it is out in uh, Des Moines right now. And I had the nerve to complain that I can't see the Pacific ocean outside my window, but uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've been bearing the brunt of a lot of cold and a lot of snow. Oh yeah. Let's, let's just safe to say for the Australians, we're hitting negative digits in Celsius and the Aussies that I have talked to cannot believe it. So very, very interesting, but I'm, I guess we're, we're, we're a different breed here in the Midwest, I guess. But that's, that's not what we're here for. We are here to talk AFLW and AFLW round two, sir. I have to say it was one heck of a round before we go through the reviews, just real quick, kind of give me a little bit of thoughts of what were your thoughts on the pride round pride the first ever round celebrating pride I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this kind of what were your thoughts well first of all it was kind of a shame that it got overshadowed uh, by COVID the fact that COVID is still a specter that's looming over the sport because of all the matches that had to be rearranged and you know of course you had um, Frio and West Coast that didn't even know they were going to be playing or even training until three days before the round, you had Adelaide and uh, GWS kind of in a holding pattern, and they ended up playing in front of no fans the way that the Western Derby was played so that uh, Adelaide and GWS could meet quarantine restrictions. So it was, it was sad that it was overshadowed, but in some places it looked like it came off really well. I uh, really liked seeing the different Guernseys that the girls were wearing and the support um, that they had. Uh, although one person did comment on Twitter, and I kind of agreed with this, is that, you know, the AFLW is going to have to uh, come up with some kind of equitable plan as far as uh, the trans population goes and people playing there, you know, men who are transitioning into being women. And um, I mean, the Hannah Mouncey case has been a really well celebrated, celebrated, I mean, written about extensively, mm -hmm. case where Hannah Mouncey feels like she's been done wrong by, uh, by the powers that be. So that is going to be an issue that they're going to have to, to deal with because if it is fully pride round, you can't leave the T out of the LGBTQ plus uh, IA, as they would say in Australia. So that's going to be a, another issue that they're going to have to come to grips with. Definitely for sure. And it was cool to see that Geelong actually did have the trans flag on, on their, on their Guernseys, which I thought was a really nice touch, but I completely agree. It is kind of, if you're going to celebrate Pride Round, you can't leave out a certain section. And the Hannah Mountie case is one that I think is still baffling to me that they keep, the AFL keeps finding a way to, to keep a person that has done everything according to Olympic Committee standards to be able to play. And continually, she keeps getting roadblock after roadblock throwing up um, in her way. I hope, very much hope that she can, she can play footy here really soon, but well, we yeah. can't we can't make time go go by too quickly. So let's hop into the first game of the round. Probably hard to say this wasn't one of the best games of the round. Western playing Carlton, the Western Bulldogs win this by six. Gil, I gotta ask, uh, what, what what were your thoughts on this game? Well, uh, my thoughts were that, uh, and I, I wrote about this in my weekly column for Footyology uh, that Rowan Col Col uh, why can't I say my editor's name right? Rowan Connolly 
curates. He's the former chief football. Rowan, sorry if you're listening to this, mate. Um, but anyway, um, Carlton has dug itself in a bit of a hole, and they are definitely or were going into this year premiership favorites. And you never want to start a season 0-2, especially when there are only nine matches. So we're looking at the first third of the season, and Carlton's already on the back foot. And the fact that they lost their first two matches by one straight kick has really got to be eating at them. And Carlton had so many opportunities in this one. If you think about it, in the fourth quarter, they went inside 50 uh, upwards of 16 times in 10, in, in 10, in the first 10 to 15, the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. They went inside 50 16 times and they came away with nothing, no major scores. So if you look at that, those are just wasted opportunities. And the Bulldogs were pretty wasteful in the first quarter themselves. They missed a couple of shots from point blank range and missed a set shot on the siren. So, you know, you really have to wonder what is going on at Carlton there. Um, Taylor Harris had a really good game that she kicked a couple of goals, took some excellent marks. Um, you know, you, uh, you had the ball winners doing their thing, but if I'm Carlton right now, it might not be panic stations, but it's getting damn close. And they really have got to look to really deep within to see what they can conjure up to try and uh, turn the season around. Cause otherwise it's going to be too late, too quick. Yeah. And definitely with a nine game season, only 16, six teams making the, making the finals, it, it it almost makes the second half of the year to where it's like nine game season. You got to win at least five of your last seven games, which is not going to be easy because you still got some tough games still up on their schedule. I know the fixture list is kind of in fluctuation, but there's still a possibility of still getting free out Adelaide, Melbourne, and so many really good teams, North Melbourne, there's four there. I mean, that you're basically telling me of those four games, you got to go at least two and two and then win the other three. So I, I think Carlton is, is, is a little bit going, Oh boy, because this week is almost a must win, which is really scary to think in third game of the year. And you're already in a must win situation for the Carlton blues and Maddie Presparkus. She gets her, she gets her touches, but you can tell there's some frustration. She's starting to get tagged more. She's starting to, to get much more attention than I think she was expecting, which you kind of have to, you would think she would expect that um, being well, around. She's getting reported too. Oh yeah. Unfortunately. This is the second week in a row that she's, that she's, that she's been reported for rough conduct. So she's got to watch her step. And uh, the other thing too, is it puts even more pressure on the strongest teams to prey on the weak. And if you look at some of the weakest teams around you, you think about the expansion factor that you've got some clubs in there that are only second year or third year clubs mm -hmm. that the, the real strong clubs in the league are going to have to really feast on those teams, not only just to beat them, but to build up percentage, because that's going to be a factor too, because the way I see it, you've got six teams right now, six of the 14 who I think are legitimate flag contenders. Mm -hmm. Carlton is one of those six, but, the more that they're playing each week and squandering those opportunities, they could find themselves on the outer. And then if you think about the fact that they haven't had to travel, they've been, they've been at home uh, for one match and technically on the road for the other playing at Wit Noble. Mm -hmm. um, but for my money, they're too good a side to be having this kind of a start. Definitely, definitely agree with that. And, and, and some would say, well, they play St. Kilda and they play Western. Well, St. Kilda did not look so hot, but we'll, we'll chat about there in just a second. So we'll hop the second game of the year, um, second game of the round, Collingwood v. Geelong. In a game that, honestly, this this one kind of flip-flopped a little bit for me. Collingwood ends up getting the win by 29, 45 to 16. But, man, those first 10 minutes, Geelong looked 
like I was kind of going, okay, is North Melbourne that good that Geelong was kind of, they were kind of handling the Collingwood there in the early minutes of the game. Yeah. I mean, Geelong took the momentum of that last fourth quarter against North. And I think they carried it into that first round. I mean, think about uh, up front, you know, you, you, you think about what happened in the first minute. You think about Olivia Barber playing in her first match and with less than a minute, you know, she helps them do something that they had trouble doing all game against North. And it was the most miraculous of goals. It was off the back of her heel mm-hmm. going straight through. And so that had to make Geelong feel really good. And they, they were up and about. They had a great start. But, you know, four-quarter effort. You know, we, we talk about it a lot in footy, the four-quarter effort. And the younger sides that haven't been in the competition too long are really struggling to have that. So, you know, I kind of expected that Geelong might hang in for a little bit. But if you think about that Collingwood midfield, that is just absolutely loaded with talent. And, and I think it really presents a real big dilemma to opposition coaches who are thinking about tagging anyone in that midfield. Who do you go to? Do you go to Brianna Davy? Do you go to Steph Chiachi? Do you go to, you know, any, any number of people running through that midfield that are, are really, really strong? And if you look at the ball, the ball winning counts, the possession counts, um, they are absolutely not short of quality mids. And it, it's kind of like an analogy that you and I probably know about baseball, which is in baseball, you can never have too many good pitchers. Mm-hmm. And I always like to make that comparison with footy. You can never have too many good midfielders. There's no such thing as a glut of midfielders. So, you know, Collingwood really, really was impressive. And, uh, and so they're starting their year 2-0. and and, um, just, and they were impressive in their win against Carlton. And anytime I think you have that core group of people through the middle that can deliver the ball up forward. That is going to be dangerous. I mentioned, I also did mean to mention uh, Britt Benici in that group of midfielders too. I mean, she had 24 possessions and w- was on her A game. And uh, that, that midfield is going to be very hard to stop. And the thing about Collingwood, of course, last year they had the most All-Australians in the competition in AFLW. They had five. Um, now, granted, you know, five players doesn't make a team. And there's that old expression, you'd rather have uh, – uh, a champion team than a team of champions, but Collingwood are looking very dangerous right now. And I'd be feeling really good if I were in their boots. Definitely for sure. And, and that Collingwood team, the, the, the depth, the depth is going to really help them out, especially in the midfield. And I completely agree. Like some of the, some of the best teams in the men's game are the ones that have three, four or five, six different guys that can rotate through the midfield because not only do you save the legs for the future part of that, but then you let the talent come through and then you can shift them up forward. Then they can be goal. They can be goal snakes and kick some goals. So it's always the, the midfield having too many midfielders or having too many midfielders is a problem. I think every, coach in the AFLW would love to have it's a good problem definitely for sure yeah. and the other thing about Geelong that, that they're going to have to watch out for is undisciplined acts because let's think about this they gave away three 50 meter penalties mm-hmm. right in the start of the match right and so you know here's the thing a team like Geelong can't make those types of mistakes against Collingwood and expect to be long for the world they, they can't um, when, you know when you give a, a, a side that many more opportunities they're going to punish you and, and looking at that, when, when you look at, the, at what happened, um, you know, the Cats could have held Collingwood scoreless in the first quarter, but they conceded three fifties that yielded two different goals. So that's something that, that uh, that's, that's down to coaching too. So they're going to have to be more disciplined. Uh, they're going to have to have more four quarter focus, but I certainly liked uh, at least a half of what I saw from them um, as opposed to what they, uh, were, what they put up against North. 
Definitely, for sure. So let's well, we'll hop on. There. There's a good game there. We'll hop on to another one. And probably for me, for what I keep hearing when I was when I was having my discussions early part of the years, the surprise game of the, the surprise team in the first round, the first two rounds, has been the Melbourne Demons. Melbourne plays Richmond, ends up winning the game by 28, 44-16. Melbourne is two and zero, oh, and after all of the exodus from this team, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this team is. 2-0. and oh. Yes, they play the Tigers, a Tigers team that is still learning, is getting better, and, and a team that honestly seems to have the yips in front of goal. And I'm still trying, kind of like what your article that I read, um, Katie Brennan's yips in front of the goals has been quite noticeable, unfortunately. So, I mean... I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it was from meeting me, because I met Katie five years ago, and I hate to think that I put a hex on her, because she's a lovely person, and it was really, I was on a, a radio show with Andy Marr, um, when I was promoting my book from five years ago and I met her and we had this great conversation and everything, but man, she has got to be feeling completely cursed in front of the goal. She hasn't kicked one since round three of last year. And, you know, then we get to a point where we're, we're getting right to halftime and Katie picks up that loose ball and she's got a chance to bring Richmond within one straight kick. And for all the world, it looked like it was going through and it smacks the post at the last second. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about the, previous week in round one uh kicking on her home deck at punt road oval it was like kicking into a wind tunnel and you know she and she kicked oh three it'd be kind of like kicking into that stiff winter iowa wind Mm -hmm. you know where you're you're not going to get it through the big sticks so and and it's just interesting because i remember with 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 richmond that they scored again within the first 30 seconds of the match or the first minute uh after sabrina frederick picked up a 50 meter penalty and a free kick so they were off to a really good start. But in Melbourne, I'll tell you what, the thing I'm really noticing about Melbourne, you know, we talk about COVID-19 and, uh, and, and preventions and vaccinations. Well, teams are getting vaccinated uh, by Karen Paxman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has just been superb in, in the first couple of weeks. I, I mean, mullet and all. I mean, she, she's killing it out there. And, um, you know, Lily Mithen has, has, really been, uh, has really been a revelation. And uh, they, they look dangerous. And then look at Tyla Hanks. Tyla Hanks this week uh, was a rising star. And, you know, she did, she had a, another fantastic game. And then, we're, you know, where did Alyssa Bannon come from uh, kicking those two goals? Mm-hmm. So for, for me, Melbourne looks like they're really good. So I would count them in that top six. And you're right. Despite that exodus, they look like a really strong club. They, and you're right. They, they really could be maybe the surprise club of the year. Definitely for sure. And, and it's really good to see. And, and, and I agree. I saw that mullet on Pax and it was just like, wow, that, that, that you got to be a good footy player to be able to rock that no matter male men's or women's. So, and she's, Absolutely. she's a ball hawk. She's there as she's there all the time. And, and the, the other thing I great to see is seeing Daisy Pierce back playing again. And she's oh, yeah. been playing really, really well. I think she, she played really, really well in this game too, but I don't know that, that Richmond team, they're going to get a win here soon. I can just feel it. If, if Katie, Brendan can get off the schneid, get a goal kick, that dangerous forward line with her and Frederick up front. If they could just get the service, they could they could be a dangerous team. Uh, they just gotta find Lee that. Yep. Yep. And they've yeah. still and they and they've got the number one overall draft pick. Her name is escaping me. I don't know why right now. Uh, Ellie McKenzie, I think it is. Yes, yeah, yes. McKenzie. Yes, and she because um yeah. Same, same initials as someone who's really been impressing for for Melbourne. Um you know, Eliza McNamara. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been really impressive too in her first in her first matches. And I, you know, that, that brings me to something else. I love the fact that you know, Ozzy's as you know, love to shorten everything mm-hmm. and and come up with all the names. I love the fact now that you look at at the AFLW lists and there's not a single woman named Deborah, but every team every round has Debbies debutantes. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I like that. Thinking about how many Debbies does does your side have this week? Yeah, that that's awesome. Ellie McKenzie, she's looked really good when she's got it. I think she just needs to kind of get used to the 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 up upstep in in talent, upstep in skill. I mean, she's she's incredibly talented. Her skill's going to come out. It just takes a little time. Not everybody is a Rowell and has Brownlow votes and is is the top star and the rising star every week. It's so it's going to take a little time. But this this Tigers outfit, I think they're starting to come along. This this is a good Melbourne team. I think they they played pretty well for for in spots. So I think I think this is definitely a team that, that i think they're going to get their first win this year i just have a feeling they will so so we'll jump from that from the optimism train to a get to a game that honestly for me i i find a little bit disappointing i really thought the saints had a really good first game against carlton and north melbourne's class and their total overall talent kind of overwhelmed them the, the 26 point win 36 10 i mean am i am i off a little bit in thinking that maybe the saints kind of underperformed more than north melbourne uh, overperformed? I might think so, except for one thing, because you got to give credit to North Melbourne and how they were defensively in the second half, where they just did not even let St. Kilda get a sniff. I mean, it was kind of like Star Wars, because for St. Kilda, their 450 was a galaxy far, far away. They couldn't even get close, right? And North is such an embarrassment of riches that it, it was almost like uh, the lesser light, so to speak, and this is not to, to dismiss or, or disrespect any of, of their players. But it's, it wasn't really the household names who really stepped up for, for North Melbourne. And, you know, thinking also about how Rhiannon Watt for St. Kilda pretty much held Emma King in check in the ruck battle. And Emma King just tore Geelong apart. Uh, I mean, that first quarter in round one where she had nine touches and kicked three goals and had eight hitouts. I mean, you know, I, I joked in my column in the, about round one, she did everything but drive the team bus uh, mm-hmm. to, to the stadium, Emma King. So, you know, looking at this one um, – you know, Ellie Gavalis, fantastic player. I really, really like watching her play. And again, talking about undisciplined acts, when she practically got suplexed uh, and got a free kick and was able to kick a goal, you know, these sides that have really not been so strong, they can't make mistakes like that against really strong sides uh, like North Melbourne. And, um, you know, here's the other interesting thing. Um, was that the Saints beat North Melbourne in the inside 50 count. They actually had two more inside 50s than North did. And then also they got more than double the number of free kicks. So if you think about that, the Saints just weren't able to take advantage um, of their opportunities. And, um, and, you know, even though the Saints started strong in that third quarter, uh, again, you know, undisciplined acts can really be a momentum killer. And especially that becomes more pronounced. I know you've probably talked about this um, with, with guests before, but the 50-meter penalty is even more uh, of a damaging blow in women's footy than it is in men's footy. Mm-hmm. That's just, uh, you know, because let's face it, sometimes there aren't as many players that can kick as long. And, you know, you give somebody suddenly a, a huge advantage like that, it, it, it makes really, it, that just is prime territory for getting punished. You are asking for trouble uh, if, if you do that. And, um, you know, uh, and then think about this, the way that North were able to lock the ball in their forward 50 in that first half. I mean, even Talia Randall, you know, a, a, someone in defense was kicking goals. 
And so, you know, so when you have your, your back line pushing all the way forward, um, and I made this comment in the column, the kangaroos kind of look like an occupational army. It looked like Myanmar out there, uh, you know, surrounding them, um, you know, and, and just, just occupying that area. It was crazy. Yeah, and the worst part about that is, is that the defenders for St. Kilda, they can't get any rest because they can't get the ball out. And it just it wears on you and wears on you. That's one of those, if you can get that early in a game, you can really kill the legs of your the defenders. I mean, I, I've done it before, playing before, and it gets stuck and you're just – repeat effort repeat effort repeat effort it just wears on you and it's so hard so i think that probably helped with it too is that because north melbourne can lock it in continue to pump in that it just it wears the defenders out it, it makes their job yeah. that much harder to try to defend now it does make it harder to hit a lead because there's so many bodies there so mm -hmm. sometimes it can, it can have its good and its bads it, it makes leading that much harder because if you lead in a gap well, if you've got eight other people, it's hard to find little spaces, which then makes pinpoint passing a lot more difficult. So that was and then the other thing is, too, I, th I think I think the Saints missed one memo, which is never leave Jazzy Garner unattended in the goal square. Never. Uh, <laughs> Can't she, do that. She took an uncontested mark in the back of the goal, squ goal square. And, you know, it was just easy pickings right from there. And, you know, she's too good a player to give her to give her any amount of space. And, you know, the Saints are learning. Um, you know, I think that they showed a little bit more in the, in the first round than what we might have expected. Um, but I just think that the, uh, the Roos are just so well-rounded that, you know, they didn't hit the scoreboard as they normally do. But it's kind of like, the, and I hate to delve into cliches, but they just have a lot of ways in which they can beat an opposing side. And this mm -hmm. is just one of those ways. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Speaking of goals, I, I love this transition. Unfortunately, the next game was, was quite a goal fest, but only, sadly, one way, as the Brisbane Lions beat the Gold Coast Suns by 63, 65-2. And um, you know what I'm you doing? If you can just, see, if you can see the video, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mr. Griffin is dancing because, unfortunately, this this game is marred a little bit with with some uh, commentator comments about a couple of Gold Coast players being caught on camera in between play dancing to the music at the ground. I don't know about you, Gil, and I kind of chatted about this just a little bit before we started recording. Um, if those two ladies are are on the field next week. Um, I seriously have some questioning about the coaching staff at Gold Coast if they can't find a way to find these two a nice little spot on the bench because that is not a good look and it makes it even worse when you get absolutely waxed in this game. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I, I really, when I was watching this match, you know, and I'm watching with the misses, we're both watching. And I'm just, we kind of look at each other and saying, well, did, am I seeing what I'm thinking, what I think I'm seeing here? And then I just, uh, I even had to rewind later because I wanted to, to quote Beth Garnard exactly right and hear what she was saying. And if you hear the playback, it's funny because um, uh, the male commentator, uh, you know, says, I just think I've seen a look of horror on the faces of Mel Hickey and Beth Goddard. And you knew it was coming next. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I love Beck Goddard's quote, you know, we all love a good banger, don't we? But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're playing in this match and you are down by 40 points and you have kicked a total of one point and you're starting the fourth quarter, um, I'm sorry, you got, you got to focus on that contest. So I, I was shocked. I think my jaw was hitting the floor 
And, uh, you know, hey, hey, footy's all about having a good time and all the fun. But come on, these are professional athletes. They are professional athletes. You are getting paid to do a job. And your team is getting embarrassed. You know, they are getting their butts handed to them. And this is also a regional uh, match and, and the Q clash and all that. So, so bragging rights for the state are, are on and everything. And the other thing that was really, really mind boggling to me is this is, we're talking about the same side that made the playoffs last year, Gold Coast. Now, granted, they got demolished in the first round by, by a strong Fremantle side, but you know, we've already, we, we've already seen the Gold Coast had trouble playing against Melbourne. They couldn't keep that four quarter focus. And you know, how would this look? I mean, you're, you're about to score the lowest output in a match in AFLW history. And uh, the comment I made on this one in writing was that, that a couple of the girls looked like they were more interested in clubbing than pulling their club out of the crater that they were in. And, uh, you know, I, I've, never, I've never coached footy. I just uh, play a footy coach on TV. Just kidding. That's an inside American joke there. But if I'm coaching, if I'm senior coach, there is no way they're lining up, they're running out for me. No way. Um, and, and here's the other thing that's interesting, too. I mean, you know, you have a player on Gold Coast and someone like Sarah Perkins playing up forward. And I just wonder if she had a look at that because, you know, Sarah Perkins is a two-time premiership player with Adelaide. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Beck Gardard laid into those two girls as she did. You know, she was the coach of those sides. And I cannot possibly imagine the spray that those two would have gotten from Beck Goddard carrying on like that. Um, so, yeah, it was a real, real, real bad look. Real bad look. Oh, man. And the, and the worst part about it is, is this does, this does unfortunately taint a very well, well-played Brisbane Lions squad that, that did so well. But unfortunately, this is going to taint this game a little bit because of this fact. But like I, I heard this discussion on a couple of episodes, and I think this is a perfect time to bring this in. Is um, do you as do you, um, Gil, since you are a writer and and you do do um, reviews on on your, your the website and different stuff like that, do you feel that it's perfectly okay to criticize? the female player as much as say the media does for the male player, because I heard this discussion a little bit. I can't remember what game I heard it on that. They said that, that I think the women of the AFLW really do not mind getting criticized because they want to feel like they're being treated the same way as the men. And I, and I think this discussion here is a perfect example of that. If this happened in a men's game, in an AFL men's game, this would be on every single news station across the entire country. Every single footy broadcast would be talking about it. Oh, no, no, no doubt about it. And I think the thing that you're bringing up is perfect. And I'm glad. I'm really glad that AFLW players welcome this because it's about equity. Mm-hmm. And they are professional athletes. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, they should be held to the same standard. You know, we know that it's a, a relatively young competition. We know that the skills are getting a lot better from where it was in the first year. But, you know, this is not an intramural year nine volleyball game. This is mm-hmm. professional footy. And if I'm a member of the Suns and I'm paying for my membership, this is absolutely not what I want to see. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really isn't. So I'm not saying that um, – you know, that these two girls should be tarred and feathered or, 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 you know, or put in front of a firing squad. But this is really, you, you just cannot do this if you are a professional athlete 
Um, you know, and, and even let's, let's even flip it on its head. Even if the Suns were up by 40 points, mm-hmm. it still wouldn't have been a good look. Nope. You know, because then you're thinking about showmanship and about rubbing, rubbing it in the faces of the opponent. You know, and, it, you know, it, it, I'm a high school teacher, too, as you know. And one of the things that I'm very fond of telling all my kids is, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, if you want to get your groove on, you know, okay, well, you can do that before the match. You know, you play all the music you want in, in, the, uh, in the change rooms before, right? You know, go to the club after the game. But, but that's not the place to do it. And um, so what I will say is I don't think it's a bad look necessarily for the competition. I think that's generalizing too much. But I think mm-hmm. it is a bad look for a young team trying to find its feet and going and well on its way to being thoroughly embarrassed out there. And that only added to the embarrassment. So, yeah, that is absolutely not where you want to be as a club. And I know that um, uh, if I were the coach, I would be feeling really under fire. Uh, for that. And you didn't see the two major ball winners involved in, in those shenanigans um, in the center square either. So, but one thing I was impressed with, not with this, not with the Suns, because there was just very little you could be impressed with them, but was uh, the Brisbane side and Jesse Wardlaw and, um, you know, kicking four goals and winning the Q clash medal. I mean, she just looked like really, she looked really dominant up forward, took some great marks. And here's the other thing that was, I thought it was a really nice moment that match she kicks four goals and then late in the piece she could easily line up and kick her fifth and what does she do she passes to a teammate who had kicked two behinds and has yet to kick an afl goal and she passed it to her and you know the, the the match was no longer in doubt and i thought that was just a really really beautifully unselfish moment uh in that match and then another thing on jesse wardley i have to say um you know my missus is slowly coming around to watching more aflw uh, because she's a Sydney fan and the Swans don't have a, a women's team yet. But she don't was really taken with don't Jesse Wardlaw's style of play. So, so, what's that? Is it, don't rub it in, sir. Hey, it's what, what, fun what? enough. Oh, okay. All right. I, I won't rub it in. But here's the thing. That she was, that my wife got, got so interested in uh, Jesse Wardlaw as a player, she actually looked up her Instagram page and found out some really interesting things um, about Jesse Wardlaw and uh, her Maori heritage. Uh, from Aotearoa, New Zealand, mm-hmm. and her social involvement, her involvement in Black Lives Matter Australia, and some of the other causes that she has that she's taken up, and um, yeah, so she is she's become a real leader. And then Dakota Davidson, um, adding a bag of four, and Dakota was one of the only players that could kick through that wind uh, the previous week at Punt Road Oval, and um, you know, and uh, uh, thinking about Greta Bodie. I mean, the three of them combined for 10 goals. So that is a really potent forward line. And so I think that they're putting a lot of clubs uh, on notice there. That is a really strong forward line. I would put that forward line up against Fremantle as far as um, one that is really potent and brimming with talent. Definitely for sure. You got a lot of coaches as the later on this year going to be sitting up late at night, trying to figure out how, how to keep these girls off the scoreboard. So, so I think we'll, we'll kind of let that one lay a little bit, unfortunately, a little bit, little bit too much discussion about, about a side that really um, just did not cover their self in glory. We'll, we'll be as kind as possible as we can. So we'll move on from there. And another amazing performance again from the Crows. The Crows beat the Giants again in an ad-lib game that was thrown together late. So I can kind of understand it. And this GWS team has been through so much. 
having to move away because of the COVID issues in the north in the in the western part of Sydney and then having to move out and then having to move to Obery and just and all that. So this this GWS team I you gotta have a little bit of sympathy for because they've just been through so much. They lose a teammate in the offseason, they have all the COVID issues and they have to play on the West Coast and then they find out that they've got to then they have to quarantine and then they think they're not going to play. And then all of a sudden, well, now they're going to play Adelaide. So this, this GWS team is, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for them just because they've been through so much. They gave so much effort, but again, this Crows team is just so good when they want to be that um, the 62 to 15, 47 point lead. I mean, is this Crows team back to the potential of being a flag contender in your opinion? I don't think there's any doubt. And I think the other thing too, with GWS uh, also bridge stack and, and her horrible injury that, that she, sh- that she suffered, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just adds to um, that, that sort of gray cloud over uh, GWS right now. But I don't think there's any doubt at all about Adelaide being a powerhouse and reestablishing themselves. And, you know, one of the things that, that for me was, was really surprising was that uh, I was prepared to see, uh, and Hatchard uh, on the bench and not playing. And, you know, almost like she has risen. Here she is losing the soft helmet and just playing like a monster on the field, uh, which was great to see. You know, she had a cork calf and it looked like she was in doubt. And she had that uh, head clash from a couple of weeks back in training. And there she was just absolutely ripping it up. And that midfield, boy, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking ahead already. Uh, with Trent Cooper at Fremantle and the headache that he might have about who to tag if he decides to go that route, because this is, this is where it gets really interesting with Adelaide, all the magnet moving that's happened. You know, you take Stevie Lee Thompson from up forward, you move her down back, you run Aaron Phillips through the middle and she missed most of last year. Chelsea Randall's come back after missing all of last year and she's up forward and then taking a defender um, from, uh, from Melbourne and, and, uh, and Ashley Woodard and moving her up um, and, it's really interesting the way that that magnet shifting has worked and really gelled so well with Adelaide. They are a frightening side because honestly, I don't know who you send to whom on the, on that club, not that the other teams don't have talent, but, and I didn't, and I haven't even mentioned Ebony Marinoff. Mm-hmm. And again, the Crows uh, were fortunate in that, um, that uh, it was adjudicated in a way that she was able to play and not miss three weeks. So you know, that is, they are really looking like a fearsome side. Not that I've seen since, uh, you know, since we go back to the early part of what, or when they won their second premiership. That is a dangerous side right there. Definitely, for sure. And they're all, when you have Aaron Phillips on your squad, you're instantly a flag contender. And when she's at, at her normal, absolute greatness, there, there is very few better, very few better. Um, so we'll go to the last game. Your beloved Frio Dockers play their most heated rivals in the Derby in a downpour this game. I, I, I did not actually get to see this game. I actually did watch the highlights of this. And even the highlights showed that these ladies have some amazing skill for wet weather footy. I was absolutely very impressed. Yes, the scoring is going to be down. That tends to happen in the men's game. 23 to 14, Frio only wins by nine. And this is a West Coast team that I think a lot of people thought was going to be down near the bottom. This was a nice performance by the Eagles in the Derby. I mean, 
for you as a Frio fan, I mean, I know, I know Gemma Houghton has been an absolute marvel up front. Uh, she looks absolutely electric. I, I'm thoroughly looking forward to seeing how she progresses through the rest of the year. But I mean, both as a Frio fan, but as, as a AFL correspondent, I mean, what were your kind of thoughts on this game? And was it as close as the final score was, or was it kind of more of the, the weather throwing a factor into this game? I think it's a combination of both, but the first thing I want to do is probably say something that might sound very strange to, uh, you know, people out in WA, which is I have to give the Eagles a lot of credit. Um, you know, not, not that, not that I'm so one-eyed that I can't give them credit, but you know, mm-hmm. it pains me sometimes to give West, West Coast, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're arch rivals. It's hard yes. to do that. But West Coast surprised me. They surprised me that their morale was as high as it was. I mean, here it was, they, they lost Dana Hooker to the most freakish of accidents and she's out for the year. And Emma Swanson, credit to her, she was able to rally the troops. And I was very surprised with the way the Eagles were moving the ball. They took a lot of marks. They were very clean with the ball when Frio seemed to struggle. And they, West Coast were in the match all the way, really, until late in the fourth quarter. So uh, they were playing under the same conditions that the Dockers were. So you have to give credit to them. They were cleaner and were able to do more with the ball. Now, the thing that really came into to play, though, uh, was that Dockers' back line standing up and the midfield preventing them from advancing anywhere in the second half of the match. Um, you know, the Dockers had plenty of opportunities. The scoreline shows, kicking 2-11. Now, yeah, that's going to be a definite factor of, of that wet weather. And, um, you know, Gemma Houghton had another sensational goal when she snapped across her body. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've interviewed Gemma and talked with her about it once. And sometimes, you know, she is such a, a graceful athlete and she is so swift that sometimes her body is moving faster than she even realizes so that she can't sometimes set herself and, and do those things. She had a running shot on goal uh, that sailed to the left for, for a behind. And so, you know, if, if she and, and in the week before she kicked three goals and if she had kept her feet a couple of times, she might have had six. So she is somebody that can tear the game open. Um, another player I love watching and, you know, who's, who I think is a really electric player is Gabby O'Sullivan, who is, is a little bit unheralded. And it's interesting because Gabby has some background in the United States because she was a point guard for uh, a U.S. Uh, women's college basketball team. And, you know, she is so nimble and she is so quick to get to the ball and she goes so hard at the ball. It's really exciting to watch her play. So I think she and, and um, Gemma, when, when they get their motors running, they're really exciting to watch. And um, the one thing that was also interesting, too, you had two players uh, in Swanson and Evie Gooch for Fremantle who are both firefighters, which I think is great in some way for the league. I mean, how cool is it that you had two people who work as firefighters off doing this, this really life-saving work in the first part of the week with the bushfires in WA mm-hmm. and then playing in the footy match? at the end that was pretty incredible yeah um, that i did actually so, see yes. that and i thought that was really really cool that it's a great story oh, yeah. and just just the fact that yeah. she was able to celebrate that and and all the great work that they do and i mean i know last year yeah. they had all those crazy bushfires throughout there but I, I've, I've been keeping an eye on that i'm glad everybody is they've been trying to contain them as much as possible and the rain was helpful but i thought that was really really cool not not trying to interrupt you i'll let you return no to, no no problem. But, but you know yeah well, the other thing is, too, if, of all the players that all this background drama did not affect, it was Kiara Bowers. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is, she is so locked in. I mean, again, 
it's so it's really something that if she doesn't have 10 tackles by quarter time you're wondering if something is wrong mm-hmm. so it's almost like she's spoiling uh the fans with her ability to tackle and her ability or, or chase on the ball her possession gathering she kicked uh, the first goal of the match and it's just funny because in the first round um some there was some opponent who who really had the unwise thought that she could actually try and sell candy to Kiara Bowers and she ended up getting flattened. Uh, yeah, you were you were not ever going to get the ball on a run and carry situation past Kiara Bowers. I'm sorry. And you know this is again where we talk about the difference between the men's and the women's game is that Kiara Bowers is a better tackler than most of the male players, and she could totally teach uh, you know the guys a thing or two about tackling. She's one of the best tackling. Uh, players in footy I've ever seen. Um, there's just no getting around her. And, uh, you know, she's, she's just been such a, a linchpin to Fremantle success. And so, um, you know, so she really stood up. I think someone um, that, uh, that also has really impressed me so far for Fremantle is Janelle Cuthbertson uh, in the back line. She has been, been really strong. And Steph Kane, um, coming back last week, also did very well. So it, it was one of those things where in, in wet weather conditions, it's always going to be tougher on a forward line. And, uh, you know, Sabrina Duffy with her low center of gravity is really kind of made for, for that type of footy. And I still stand by Fremantle having one of the best forward lines in the competition. The one thing that, that does concern me about Fremantle a little bit is the ruck division. And uh, Mim Strom is very young and she's ambitious and a quick learner. But let's think about it. She's also 18. Her body isn't fully mature, and she's going up against bigger bodies. And it was ironic that you had Paris Laurie, who is an ex-docker, uh, really control the contest in large part for West Coast. And uh, one wrinkle that Fremantle throw in that I think is, is really a nice kind of wild card is Roxy Rue, who's got a really freakish vertical leap. And she's not the, nearly the tallest player on the field. And it, it's interesting. You just think that she's tall because she has such a high vertical leap and she's a high flyer. And so I think that if Trent Cooper can mix it up a little bit, that might be the way to go in those ruck contests. But I wonder how Frio's ruck division will, will go up against uh, someone like an Emma King, someone like a Sharni Norder of Collingwood, uh, you know, somebody like a Rhiannon Watt of St. Kilda. So I think that's an area to watch. Definitely, for sure. And that athleticism sometimes, I know in the men's game that their Majak Dawn, Alir Lear were put in there with their athleticism. So it, sometimes it works. It just, it really kind of depends on how it kind of goes. But uh, man, an absolutely amazing round of footy. Um, I, I loved, I, I read your article. I thought it was absolutely awesome. Um, I'll definitely try to make sure we put it out there when this episode comes out to, to make sure you get a few more reads for that. Um, I just hope I get a few more tips right. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Gold, Gold uh, Coast have made me look bad. Richmond have made me look bad so far. So oh, I, mean, I, you know, and, I gotta get it together. It'll it'll happen. Come on, maybe who knows? Maybe this will work out for us. So um, we kind of discussed it right off the bat, starting out. This was Pride Round, and, and one of the things that I saw a lot of discussions in several of the podcasts that I listened to, and, and I think it's a good thing to discuss is is so the AFLW has been super super on getting this Pride Round and the first ever Pride Round in a major sport in Australia, and unfortunately, I hate to say it, I'm a little disappointed that we only have five jersey five. Um, LGBTQ um, jerseys. Yes, you have the rainbows on the fields, which is awesome. A few other teams threw it on the socks, but in all, I'm, I was semi disappointed in the, the lack of in the lack of participation by some of these clubs into 
joining Pride Round when I know this has been a major, major um, point of emphasis for many of the players on many of these teams. I mean, I don't know. Am I am I off on this? Be, being a little disappointed that we only had five um, special jerseys. I don't know. I would have to say that maybe it takes giving it a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that for for Guernseys that there has to be a lot of advance notice. And I think that maybe COVID might have had something to do with being with the ability to manufacture and produce uh, the Guernseys and get them all out to everybody in a short amount of time because they're probably made overseas. Uh, that that could be one thing, and I'm not trying to say that it's that it's a reasonable uh, excuse for it. Um, but I think hopefully more teams will be involved next year. And you know, let's be frank because there are so many uh, girls on, on the different sides that are in same-sex relationships, either dating or marriages, um, you know, that, that's really representing the population of the league. And uh, I know that I think it's really cool that, uh, that the Dockers have one of the only married couples in sports and Kara and Ebony Antonio. Um, you know, it's a wonderful situation. And in some ways, women's sports are much farther ahead in that respect than men's, than men's leagues are. Uh, you know, men's leagues have, have, have done things like have pride games now and then, but, you know, I can't really imagine, and it's, and it's a shame uh, that, that we can't mm-hmm. imagine anytime soon that we couldn't see an openly gay male player uh, on a footy club and being welcomed and being accepted or, or being able to be, uh, you know, who he might be. And I've talked to different um, uh, people around AFLW who have really said that, that the environment of people being able to be themselves can only help. Not, not only, I mean, it, it's perfectly logical to think that if someone is free to be authentic and to be who they are, that it just makes for a healthier workplace, it makes for a healthier team attitude, and it makes for a better team. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to the day uh, when male sports possibly can evolve to that point where it won't matter. Uh, you know, I know for me, it, it, it would not matter. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't give a wit, uh, you know, about the sexual orientation or, or actually, no, let me rephrase that. Um, and I even hate that I have to say this, but, you know, I, there's nothing that would be bothersome, offensive or whatever about an openly gay male player on, on Fremantle or, or any club like that, because, you know, you're trying to win games of footy, Right. And you want people to be able to be who they are. And it's just a struggle both in this country and in Australia to get to that point where everyone can just accept people for whom they are. So I'm looking forward to the day where hopefully we can look at an openly gay male footy player and regard him with no greater wonder than someone who's a left foot kick, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, come on, people. This is the 21st century. You know, why, why is it even, why, why that would offend, why, why same-sex relationships would offend anybody is just kind of beyond me. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, not everybody is accepting of things. Some people are their 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 personal opinion they have to put on others, and unfortunately, it is is the sad part of our society. It is rather infuriating um, for somebody that I mean. It's. I have many friends that are that are in same-sex marriages or or in same-sex relationships, and I that it does not bother me whether they are male, whether they are female, they're a person. That I, they're, 
their mental state and their health is all that matters to me. They're a friend. That's all that matters. I don't care who, yeah, and- who, who, who they call husband, who they call wife, so on and so forth. It is none of my business. I live my life trying to be the best person I can be, not trying to tell others how to do their own. Unfortunately, that, that kind of goes into a whole nother, whole nother podcast, unfortunately, but I, I, I do want to yeah. express that I, I am an ally of both. I, like I said, I have chatted with the girls and chicks talking footy, and I, I, I'm proud of that. I'm very, very proud that I have had that connection with that, that those lovely ladies there. They're awesome. It is so much fun to chat with them. And they're very, very knowledgeable. They know their footy. And, and I love that about them. So and, and their involvement yeah. in the pride round. And, and one of the things that I do take pride in with the Swans is that they they do the pride game every year. They have the rainbow. They, they have the rainbow jerseys and guernseys and socks and that they sell at their at the Swan store. In fact, I, that's one of my next things that I would love to get a rainbow Guernsey for myself to have for myself. So I think in the long run, these male players that are of homosexual feelings, they don't feel comfortable. They just need to be shown that they're not going to be ostracized. They're not going to be treated any differently. You're a footy player. That's all that matters to me. Your personal life is none of my business. I am a fan. Yeah, and then, I am a supporter. Yeah. That's all I am. And that's, that's I think, the biggest thing and, I think and, a lot of people you, need to you do. And you like me, you, you like, and you like me are both allies because, mm-hmm. I mean, I teach young people. And, you know, just as I would never want to see one of my students being bullied uh, for who they are. Um, you know, I feel the same way about adults and, and, you know, I'm in San Francisco, which has been a long time, um, you know, haven, of course, for, uh, for the LGBTQIA community. And, um, that, that's, that's important. It is part of the fabric and part of the culture of San Francisco. And, you know, we're proud of that out here. And, uh, I, I just, I just don't know what to, say any more about bigotry than to try and combat it at every turn because as uh, as someone of color uh i i am not fully free until everybody is and i cannot sit here and talk about uh black lives matter and not say that lgbtq i lives matter as well so yeah i take a very strong stance uh, on on that issue and so yeah i'm hoping that not only in the footy world but in society we're going to get to a point where that is no longer uh, something that's a bone of contention for people. Yeah, and I think it's a wonderfully sad and a great message. And I hope the people that see that can understand that this is, we want what's best, not only for footy, but for society in the long run. So there's one other topic that, I, that I'd love to talk about is, um, is I know COVID has kind of thrown everything into the spin cycle. Nothing has been normal. We just found out the round three fixtures, I think yesterday or the day before recording. Um, is there any part of you that is a little bit leery that the fact that none of these teams are going to know who they play at the, at the pace it's going until three or four days before they're supposed to play? I mean, it, it, me as a coach, it would be very, very frustrating to go, okay, I don't know who I'm playing for three days and I've got to pick a game plan, how we're going to approach it, how we're going to train, what's our style. I mean, in some situations, these girls are really going to be tested um, on their retention uh, in these games over these next few weeks. I mean, do you see it maybe affecting games? I think it could, but at the same time, I kind of look at it with a glass half full kind of perspective. You know, 
last year, you know, being a high school teacher, uh, we had to go over various scenarios about whether we were going to be teaching from home, whether we're going to have hybrid classes, how many people would be in front of us, whether we would be at school. And you know what we did? We adapted. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think the best teams are going to be the ones that adapt. The best coaches are going to be the ones who adapt. And, you know, I mentioned Kiara Bowers and, you know, she had one full day of training. And I remember on the pregame interview, her talking about how she just really decided that she was going to go all in and have a lot of stuff at home that she was going to do. So you saw how well Adelaide did in, in that adversity. So I think that the teams are the, that are the hungriest to succeed uh, are really going to adapt and adapt well. Um, and, uh, you know, one of, one of the old Frio coaches that uh, I learned a lot from was Ross Lyon and talked about how he wanted the Dockers to be a no-excuses no football club. And I think at the end of the season, we're going to see the club that's going to take out the crown being the one that offers no excuses. Yeah, you know, it, it sucks not to know exactly who you're going to play, how many training sessions you're going to have. Um, but I think, yeah, I think as both sides demonstrated last week with, with, uh, in, the, in the Western Derby, um, that was a credible game of football. And, and they didn't look the worst for wear, and they looked like they both put out great effort and prepared as best they could. Definitely, for sure. That is a great transition. And then the other bottom line, and the other bottom line is they are playing. So, and let's for think sure. about that for a second. Let's for think sure. about how every woman in the league had her season interrupted and, and, and cut off and there's no champion and all that kind of stuff. So I think that they're probably, I think to a woman, they're all feeling like, hey, you know, at least we are playing. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's not easy to have all these other kinds of hindrances, but we're playing. Definitely for sure. And they're not playing in a hub too. That's, that's another thing you got to admit that they're, they're still playing at home. So yeah. I think, I think it's a great transition and I think we have to go and you kind of discussed a little bit. We got to talk week three and we got to go through some tipping. And as we kind of said, this is a round I am thoroughly looking forward to so many absolutely intriguing games. Let's kick it off game. Number one going on Friday, Geelong versus the Western Bulldogs and GMHBA. Gil, who do you have in this game and why? Okay, I'm going to go with Western Bulldogs in this one. Uh, Geelong still have yet to put together a consistent, solid four quarters. And even though they're at home, uh, I like Western Bulldogs making the trip. They have been uh, really good so far, one and one. I want to correct that out there because I made a mistake of saying that they were 2-0 and in an early edition of that copy. They're one and one, but look very good uh, last week. Um, you know, you, you've got a couple of, of, of really strong players. Uh, Ellie Blackburn has gotten off to a ripping start. Um, Isabel Huntington moving into the forward line and kicking goals. And uh, they've done really well. And I would definitely go with the Western Bulldogs in this one. Definitely the Doggies. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll agree with you on that one. I think the Cats are still a little bit vulnerable. They're still kind of learning to kind of play the team footy. Yes, being at home will help them a little bit. But unfortunately, I thought the same thing when they played North. And North uh, is such a good team. And I think this, this Doggies team, I think they, they kind of – they were a little skeptical kicking in front of goal against the St. Kilda. They were tiny bit better in their game and they're tiny bit better in their game last week. And I think, I think they're starting to slowly kind of get it. Um, 
uh, their, their coaching has been really good. I'm hoping Danny Marshall will be back in this week. We'll, we'll cross our fingers, but I don't yeah. know. When you win, it's hard sometimes to take somebody off, so we'll definitely have to see. But I'm going to go with the doggies. But I, I think this is within a couple of goals. I, I think the Cats keep is close. I, don't, I have a feeling this one may be closer than some people think. So we go from that. You might be more optimistic than me on that one, but, but uh, I, we'll I don't know. I, for some weird reason, I always, I, I always hope some of these games are close just because I, th- I think they make it oh, yeah. more intriguing and more fun to talk about and unfortunately then we go from we go to a very interesting game here gws against the gold coast suns down in black down in blacktown oh boy do we have any faith in the suns i think i i can tell you that i think they're going to score more than two behinds in in this one at least we hope. um yeah at least we hope and it's going to be interesting because uh, there was some talk last week about trying to get Sarah Perkins more into the match and putting her in the middle on, on occasion. They might, want to, they might really want to do that this time. Um, I think the, the thing that the Suns are going to have to do, they're going to have to come out super focused, which, is, which seems obviously to be a problem. I think GWS are very hungry, and I'm going to go with GWS in this one. Uh, and I think you know, adversity can be a real means to rally around each other. They're playing at home. And they're, let's face it, playing a very weak uh, Gold Coast side, uh, one that has really just been very enigmatic and um, kind of checked out. And I kind of see the Giants uh, getting over on this one. I'm yeah, going with the Giants. I, I, the, the dancing really, really kind of questions, makes me question the focus of this team a little bit. And I think GWS is so hungry. Like I said, they, they've dealt with a couple of crazy first rounds. I think this is a, this is, if I'm GWS, I'm licking my chops for this game. This is a perfect bounce back game to get your season going, to kind of get everything kind of straightened up. Yes, you're in an 0-2 hole, but you just don't kind of shot. Uh, you win a couple of games here, you get a couple of bounces and who knows, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with GWS. I think this is a three goal game, honestly. I, I just don't see the Suns having the team to be able to hold back. And this GWS team has got some talent. They just need to get going. I think this is a perfect opportunity for them. Now, a very, very intriguing match coming up here with the St. Kilda Saints facing the Carlton Blues. And, and you hate saying it, but this is, is this Carlton's must-win game? I think it is, and that's why I expect them to win this one. Um Carlton are too good a club to be in this deep a hole for too long. I think that uh, if they don't win this one, I think it's time to sound the alarm bells. Uh, they really have to get up and, and get started early. I really like the way that Taylor Harris was looking last week. She was looking really dangerous. Always like Darcy Vessio and what she does around the ground. Maddie Prestipakis, um, I agree with you that she has been kind of frustrated in the first two rounds, but I expect her to really get off the chain. I am going to go with Carlton. I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and limb here. I'm going to say it's a, I'm going to say this is going to be a blowout. I would say Carlton are going to play angry and the saints will be at their mercy. So I'm going with Carlton by a big margin in this one. Oh boy. This, this one, I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen both the saints games and, and I think they've got so much youth in that, in that midfield that I think this midfield battle is really going to be who wins this game. Because I think if, if St. Kilda can keep, some of those young stars with the footy in their hands, Patricios, and I can't remember the other one, another girl's name. She was she, 
Number six, I think, is I, I'm, I'm going to get the names by the end of the season. I promise you AFLW fans, I really will. But I, I like their midfield. I, I think their midfield has a little bit more talent than I think some people want to give it credit for. It may be young, but it's growing. It's getting better. I think this is really going to kind of be – it's almost going to be a ruck battle to see if who yeah. the rucks can get the advantage to in the midfield. Because I think if, if St. Kilda can get up on the ruck battles and get the majority of the first footy – I think St. Kilda can win this. I think this is going to be a tight game. I think both teams defensively, the biggest question is, I know St. Kilda had one of their better defensive players out last game with a concussion. The question is, will she be back or not? Um, so I really kind of see the midfield is going to be it. I agree with you. I think St. I think St. Kilda just doesn't have enough talent there in the midfield to get by the Prismarcus. Like I said, Taylor Harris is starting to catch everything and, and she's now providing Providing more and more awesome picture, awesome pictures of, of pack marks and stuff like that. I thought that was absolutely awesome. I'm gonna go with the Blues. I'm a little hesitant on this one. I'm not as confident on this one at all. I think the Saints are gonna keep this one close. I'm kind of the opposite. I think this is within two goals. I think this is gonna be a close one. I know people. This tends to be a common one with me. I like close games. This, but we'll see. Um, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean except, Carlton. Except when it's your team. If, except when it's your team trying to build percentage. Definitely for sure. But I, I I think Carlton will win this. But I think this will be close. And it will not shock me if the Saints pull this one off. The the, the Saners, like I said, they have they have some talent there. To the well, Georgia Patricios, absolutely. Yeah, she she is, she is a star. She, she every star. she yeah. is absolutely a ball magnet. She finds it. She's going to be one whale of a gun as she grows as she gets older. And she's going to be one fun person to watch for the Saints. So, and we move from that very intriguing game to just as intriguing one: the super talented North Melbourne goes to Casey Fields to face the Melbourne Demons. And in my opinion, this is the make or break it. We get to see are the demons for real or not? Are they for real? Or has North Melbourne got too They're much for, for them? Melbourne are for real, but North is too much for them. Um, North just have so many weapons, just so many, and they can beat you in so many ways. And I think that uh, Melbourne will put up a very valiant effort here. And also, I don't think it might be, I, I don't think it's the first time that these sides might see each other because we don't know how finals are going to shake out. Um, very good test for Melbourne here to really see how they measure up against North. And I wouldn't be surprised later down the track uh, if Melbourne are a high placed, uh, are high placed on the ladder and playing and going deep into the finals. But uh, I just think that North are a juggernaut and I just don't, I don't see them losing this one. Um, I think weather conditions might have a real thing, a big thing to do with it. There was a strong breeze last week um, out of Casey Fields, but I like North in this one. And I think it's going to be a tight match. Yeah. I, I think North has just got so much talent. I, I, I think this, this will be an exposure game for Melbourne. The biggest thing is can Melbourne keep it close. If they can keep it within a couple of goals, I, I think you feel a little bit more confident for Melbourne as you go on. I think I agree with you. North Melbourne just has so much talent. They're such a deep team. It's going to be very hard. Casey Fields, from what I keep hearing, tends to always be very breezy. So the goal kicking might be interesting is who can be more accurate in front of goal. Maybe, may decide this one as well, which I think North Melbourne has a little bit more accuracy in their forward line than they do than, than Melbourne. So so we go from that one True. to the absolute... But, but it's interesting, but before, I, before we get no, there, no, no, though, no, let's, you're let's good, talk you're about good. Melbourne a, a little bit because, you know, um, Melbourne have kicked very accurately this season. So I don't know, this could be something where they can use that field, their home field, to their advantage. So, but yeah, they've been, they've been deadly accurate, but... Um, 
just north of just so much going on there. I just, I really would find it very hard for, for Melbourne to overcome that. Yeah, definitely for sure. And we have to do it. I know this is going to be difficult for you, sir, but can you take the purple hat off? Let's put on our even, even, even analysis hat on for just a second. I know you've got your Dockers thing in the background. I, I, I absolutely love it. Adelaide versus Frio at Norwood Oval. And I love this, at least for me, sir, this is at 810 my time. I am going to be with a, bu- with a bucket of popcorn watching this game. I cannot wait for this game. Who do you got and why? Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Now, Sand Gropers, you know, this is the, the affectionate nickname for West Australians. I know I am one of you. I'm an honorary Sand Groper, so don't, don't revoke my card. Don't revoke my card. But I'm going with Adelaide in this one, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, Adelaide just has too many people to try and account for right now. And I don't think that the Dockers have been really, really fully tested yet um, by a really strong side. Adelaide are really finding their feet. They're in top form, and they're playing at home. And this is a deck that the Dockers have had trouble on. Uh, And I just don't see this early in the season – uh, Frio being able to match what Adelaide has. I would think that perhaps later in the season, this is another one of these matches where I think that these two sides might see each other in the finals. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think that I might feel a little bit differently if the Dockers were playing on their home deck. But as you were saying earlier, Donnie, with, um, with any time you bring back Aaron Phillips, and she's essentially a new recruit. Chelsea Randall is essentially a new recruit after missing all of last year. And, you know, you, you throw that into the mix. And uh, I think Trent Cooper is going to be really challenged to think who he's going to tag. I think one of the really most intriguing battles that we're going to see is Stevie Lee Thompson down back uh, playing either on Sabrina Duffy and, uh, and then someone else playing on, on Gemma Houghton. I think the big thing is where, where Adelaide might have an edge is the midfield and being able to give a lot of supply uh, to their players up forward. And uh, I think Frio is going to be a little challenged in that way. Um, I could see uh, it being close for a long period of time. It would, uh, you know, putting my Frio hat on for a second, it would be a pleasant surprise to see Frio pull this one out. But at this point in the season, and based on the form of both sides, I have to give the edge to Adelaide here. Oh, man. And absolutely great points. I, I, I don't know. A team with Aaron Phillips on it, it's so hard to pick against them. Um, she's, she's just such a superstar. She can go anywhere on the ground. She's dangerous everywhere. I, I do agree with you. I think Frio's got some dangerous things up front, but the biggest question is, can they get him to footy? I mean, you can have the exactly. best full forward in the world, but if they aren't getting supply, it doesn't really matter. North Melbourne is a perfect example in the men's. Ben Brown can kick you 60 goals, but if he's not getting supply, it doesn't really matter. So, I mean, it's we like... We have to buying... wonder how many Ben's going to kick this year with his knee problems. So uh, I, with, with I, I, I'm not sure if he's going to play much at all very much. I'm, yeah. I'm really worried they, that Melbourne may have, gotten a, may have gotten a guy that may not play very much, but this is women's, not men, so yeah. we'll revert back to it. Oh, of I just well I, one of the one other thing about about uh, about Adelaide too and um, and and Frio here, um, you know just that you've got a side that is just so hungry in in Adelaide. And not that Frio aren't hungry, but you know the law of averages says you're not going to win every single match you play. Mm-hmm. You know, and Frio were undefeated last year. Every side in the competitions has improved, and at some point. Uh, at some point, and maybe it's not this year, but Frio are going to lose a match eventually. And this is too good a competition to steamroll everybody week in and week out. 
So if you're, if you're looking at it from a Docker's perspective too, I think this could be, if it's gonna be a loss, it could be a really great learning experience and probably not the first time that these two sides are gonna see each other. Definitely for sure. But the one counteraction that I could say in my personal opinion is I think being tested sometimes when you're not expected to can actually make your team better. So last week's game against West oh, Coast could actually yeah. be quite a benefit because Adelaide had such an easier time. Now, some people could then counteract and say, well, you had a tougher game because you're in wetter, you're in wet conditions. There's more tackling. There could be more wear and tear on the body. So there, there's come see, come see. I've seen it both ways. I'm going to tip Adelaide, but Frio is just such a talented team that I think this game is going to be the game of the round. If I had to star and say, this is the game you need to watch. This is it. This is the game that could potentially be a grand final at the end of the year. It would not shock me a bit. Would not shock me a bit. Yeah, North I, Melbourne I would, is the would, only team. Totally agree. North Melbourne is the only other team I could see right now, like going right now from what I've seen, North Melbourne is the only other team I could potentially see in a grand final. These two teams are the best right now. This will be a yeah, huge, then, huge matchup for the latter. Yeah. And the other thing too, when you talk about, you know, when, when you wear your team's hat, you know, you, you tend to be a little bit more critical um, mm -hmm. you know, just in life, and just as in life, you are more critical of the people you're closer to because you see them all the time and you mm -hmm. spend time with them and you know their weaknesses, you know their strengths and all of that stuff. So, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm seeing. And, and I think this potentially either way uh, could be a real boon to Fremantle toward the end of the season, as it could be for Adelaide too. But I think you're right. This could absolutely be uh, a grand final preview. Definitely for sure. And then from that intriguing game to another intriguing game, Brisbane hosting Collingwood. And this is one I looked at a couple of times. And this one's hard for me because I like I, Brisbane has always been a tough team. Again, Brisbane played a Gold Coast team, put up a lot of points. They have a lot of confidence. But this is a Collingwood team that's just so good defensively. They really stifled Carlton early. They, stif they stifled their last opponent. I I'm going to go Carlton on the road just because I, I like defense. I'm Collingwood. My apologies. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go Collingwood on this one just because I think that defense wins championships. And I think this defense has been so solid this year that I, 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 they're, they're going to be tough to score on for sure. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Collingwood on this one. Uh, I think that uh, it was a little bit of a mirage last week. Um, Brisbane are a really strong team, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to make this beat up on the Gold Coast week, but if you look if you look at the opposition they had, and if you look at Collingwood's opponents in the first two rounds, uh, no doubt Collingwood has had stronger opposition, and they've done really well. That midfield that they have is um, is pretty darn close to being unstoppable, and um, I think that in this one, Brisbane they are playing at home. It'll be a benefit to them, um, but I just think that Collingwood so far has the look about it of a team on a mission, uh, really eager. And you know, let's talk about this for a second too. We hadn't really wanted to talk much about the whole uh, Eddie McGuire stepping down thing. But as you say, too, from adversity sometimes can be a motivational factor. You know, Definitely. this is a week in which uh, Collingwood as a brand has kind of taken a hit. Uh, you know, their leader has been under fire and all of that. And maybe this will transfer over to the women's team really wanting to represent the club in the best way it can. And I think that might be a little bit of an extra push. 
So I will definitely uh, pick Collingwood. I think this one's going to be a close one, but I will take Collingwood in this one. I agree. I think I think this one could be under ten points, and, and I, I do see your point there with 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 the the trying to pull the brand together. But you could almost counteract it too. Is that are they going to be distracted with all of the drama, with all of the all of the the kind of negative media coverage after all of the kind of the the report coming out and then the absolutely atrocious handling that Eddie did when he started the when he started the news conference and then today stepping and then stepping down earlier today I just I'm hoping that the Collingwood girls are not focused on anything else besides footy um I I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on it that I think they will because they're not going to be in Melbourne they're because they're going to be in Brisbane. I think that's going to help them. And they're not going to be bombarded with questions the way that the men's team would. They're not going to For be sure. taking questions on this all the time because they weren't really affected by it. Definitely. Um, although, although with Eddie, you know, I, I've been on his show once before, but he just had, and, he's, and he was certainly kind to me. Um, but it's just, it's sad to see that he has the propensity for stepping in it whenever there's a social issue involved. And, um, so, but yeah, I, I would really think here that Collingwood would have an edge. They're not going to be dealing with it as much. You make a great point that they're going to be outside of the bubble, uh, quite literally and figuratively outside of, uh, outside of Melbourne. And yeah, I definitely would think Collingwood would, would, uh, are, are going to handle this one. It's going to be a hard fought match, but I will take Collingwood. Yeah, definitely one I'm going to look forward to watching too. And last game of the round. And I don't know, sir, maybe just maybe. We might see the Richmond Tigers finally get their win. Richmond hosting West Coast. I don't know. I I kind of feel the Tigers on this one. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb. I, I'm feeling the Tigers. I think their forward line. I'm hoping crossing my fingers, Katie Brennan gets the, the Gil Griffin hex off of her and finally puts one between the big sticks. Um Gotta have, throw that one out there. Just had to have a little fun, but I, I I've liked them. I, they haven't. They've they've played tough opponents. I I think they've played well. They just haven't gotten. They just haven't gotten some of the breaks that they need. I think this is a West Coast team that they're coming off a tough game in the rain, heavy legs. Now you got to travel across. Now you got to travel. Um, I, I like the Tigers in this one. I do too. And by the way, I don't. I for those of you watching. Uh, I did reach around for my phone for a second because somewhere in here, I have a picture of myself and Katie Brennan uh, that I'm going to try and find a little later as, as we talk uh, about this. Um, but yeah, I really think that Richmond, that this weekend is as good as any as a time for them to get that first win, that elusive first win in AFLW footy, because um, you're right. They have played some very tough opponents. They're playing on their home deck. They're not traveling across the country. And, uh, and, and this hex on Katie Brennan, it, it absolutely has to end at some point. Uh, it, it does. She's too good a player for this to go on forever. And Sabrina Frederick looked dangerous up front. And, um, you know, West Coast, let's face it, they, they hung in there very well against Fremantle last week. And by the way, San Gropers, I'm not hating on West Coast, okay? I'm, I have my neutral hat on here. I'm not hating on y'all, okay? And I gave y'all credit at the beginning. For, for a well-played match. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that happened with West Coast, Neen Kelly is, is out with a hand injury or she's recovering from a hand injury. That can't uh, be too good a thing. And then also Dana Hooker, uh, not having her around, um, that is definitely going to have some impact. So uh, I am going to say that, uh, that I like Richmond in this one. Um, I do like them to get by. 
And uh, next to Frio, of course, they've got the best club song in the land. Uh, so hopefully we'll have a chance to, uh, sorry for being a little biased on that. So we'll, we'll get to hear them. Now, I, I don't mean to be rude. I, I am looking for my picture here with Katie Brennan, and I'm totally listening here, but I, I do want to see if I can find that here because maybe showing it on screen will help. Uh, hold on a second. I think I'm almost there. Hold on a second. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Can you see this? That is awesome. That is great. Yes, she's, that is she's an absolute gun. She's an absolute gun. Oh, she totally is. She totally is. And, and uh, you know, I, oops, let me hold it over here. So this is from five years ago in Andy Marr's studio. I had no idea who she was um, before meeting her, except knowing that she was a footy player. And so I did some research and found out exactly how good she is and just, uh, you know, wish her nothing but the best. Um, you know, and, uh, and I, I do really think that they're going to get over on West Coast. This is, this is going to be, uh, I think, a celebratory day for the Tigers. Definitely. And, a close, and, and I think it's going to be fairly close, but I think the Tigers will win this one. Oh, I, I, the one thing I got to give it is so many of these matches this week are so competitive that I think this, this could be one of the best rounds of footy this entire year. I am so looking forward to it. The weekend cannot come fast enough. So we have gone through round two. This has been an absolutely, uh, we've gone through round two. We've previewed round three. This has been an absolutely awesome conversation. You and I, Gil, we can always chat footy. It's so much fun to chat with you. It's great to see you again, sir. I, I think. I think, ladies and yeah, gentlemen, that will be the end of our episode. We we can talk forever, but I think we, we do need to make sure that if you want to listen to anything else, you can. So we will bid you all good night. Gil, thank you again so much. Um, we'll keep in contact. Maybe thank we'll you, have brother. you hop on it's later on this year. Great to have you out here. Definitely, for sure. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and folks, if you want to read uh, my musings, Visit footyology.com.au. I have a weekly preview of the matches and a weekly roundup. So Sunday night in, in my household, or actually Saturday night my house, my household, I'm staying up all hours of the night to hit my deadline. So, uh, you know, thank you to uh, Rowan Connolly and Luke Mason for helping, uh, helping me produce that and produce it well. Those two are really great. So hope you all definitely check it out. Thank you. And we will definitely try to definitely make sure and reach out and add that tag that when, when this episode comes out previewing a little bit later on in the week. Um, thank you again, sir. Fourth and long fans. This is your AFL and AFLW for correspondent signing off for the day. You guys have a nice night.